0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time of day when uh, and night when anything can happen on this show, and uh, many times it actually does. I mean, tonight's show is going to be classic. It's going to be quite amazing. We're, we're delving into a territory that uh, I'm frankly not very up to speed on, and as my uh, grandmother used to say... If you don't know what you're talking about, find somebody who does, and I have, because I'm going to be joined tonight by uh, Georgia Lambert, who is our resident metaphysician. She is co-hosting tonight on this very interesting and extraordinarily provocative subject of reincarnation. And I must say that I'm going to have a couple of stories to tell uh, during the show. I'm not going to, you know kind of preview things now but uh stay tuned cuz you're going to hear some things that I think are important for you to hear again this is in the realm of uh evidentiary material that is kind of like uh one could say it's in um in uh, the the uh, the gray basket so maybe we can move it a little bit more to one side or the other tonight and we shall see before we get to my guests and uh we will give more uh uh, appropriate introduction momentarily. Uh, we got a couple of news items. If you uh, go to the other side of midnight.com, if you're new to the show, we have a section called Radio with Pictures, which is what the internet allows us to do radio these days. So if you go to the other side of midnight.com, click on tonight's banner, which says rather boldly Reincarnation Compelling New Evidence with my guest, Daniel Pinchbeck. I don't know how uh, George's name got dropped. We'll probably be able to change that momentarily. Anyway, um, that painting, by the way, is a painting of Cynthia's. It's called Transcendence. And if you want a copy, it's. it was so appropriate for tonight that when when I realized we were going to be doing this show, I said to Kinthea, I want that painting. And she found that painting. And so that painting, Cynthia's original, which i saw a long time ago in her studio in the uh, in the flat well in the canvas anyway that painting is our ton, our banner tonight and it is very appropriate so maybe you want to have a copy of that painting i don't know whether she's offering it or the original but uh, you you can get hold of her and you can find out directly anyway um news tonight if you go to that banner and click on it on the uh, homepage it will take you to the guest page Right under the guest page, you'll see fast links to items. Click on my items. And my first news item has to do with what's been going on in New York and New Jersey, where I lived for many, 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 many years. They had an extraordinary catastrophe. Forty-eight people in the Northwest, in New Jersey, in Connecticut, and in New York itself, died because of flooding, flash flooding, which we're unfortunately very familiar with how out here in the west they always warn you do not go into the arroyas if there are thunderstorms because even though it may be dry where you are wait a half hour and it won't be well in new york it didn't take half an hour it took minutes and low-lying sections you know deep enough to hide cars which had to be you know evacuated extraordinary speed and people left lights on and blinkers, and you can see one of those images there on the banner that connects to the um, Washington Post analysis of what made the New York and uh, Northeast floods so serious, so catastrophic, and so fatal. And it's part of this problem we've had in this nation for many, many decades. We've been building our infrastructure to a past standard, and the environment has changed very dramatically, in fact, uh, it was the remnants of Hurricane Ida, which actually swept north uh, east uh, after coming on shore on land a little under a week earlier. It deteriorated in terms of winds to a tropical storm, which is winds around forty miles an hour. but it was the extraordinary amount of rain that fell like three inches plus in one hour in central park i mean i saw heavy rain in new york when i was you know living in jersey but nothing like that and of course it was that rain and the fact that there had been 10 days of previous rains from a hurricane that came ashore in long island you know almost two weeks before Henri, which had saturated the ground and so when the uh, ida Uh, torrential rains came there was no place for it to go so it ran off it ran to the rivers the rivers ran to the ocean the streets of new york filled ran to the ocean Uh, the streets of philadelphia the streets of suburbs in pennsylvania and new jersey likewise and so we had 48 fatalities that should not have occurred uh this is a significant indicator of what everyone is talking about and no one knows how to really quantify yet which is this kind of amorphous concept of global warming i saw a number the other day that for every 1 degree centigrade that the atmosphere warms it can hold something like 7% more water vapor well that water vapor doesn't go you know it doesn't magically disappear it has to go somewhere and it it rains out in these torrential storms, particularly when you have a vast cyclonic system like the deterioration of Ida. So this is not the first and last time. They're talking about this as a once-in-500-year or once-in-thousand-year event. Uh Uh-uh. The week before, when Henri had come ashore, the uh, Central Park uh, facilities of the Weather uh, Service had recorded the second highest amount of rain within one hour, and that time it was the highest. And then a week later, Ida tops the record. This is not rare. This is now going to become commonplace, and all kinds of changes are going to be necessary just to maintain the status quo, just to maintain life in these conditions, because most of us never look around, and we never kind of think about, are we in an arroyo? Well, in a man-made canyon, you can live in a garden apartment, in a basement, and like uh, a mother and her son uh, a few days ago, you can drown. So this is going to be our situation moving forward. We will be having some programs discussing much more technical aspects of this and what you can do to safeguard yourself. One of the first things you can do is find out, are you in a low-lying area? Are you on a hill? Um, When was the last time your location flooded um, with all the recent rain? Has it become iffy now? In other words, situational awareness. And this applies to the entire country. Now, 3,000 miles away, out west, uh, we've been watching what's called the Caldor Fire, which has become the most destructive uh, in the history of fires in the California I believe, in the last several years. Um, For a few days, the Caldor Fire was severely threatening South Lake Tahoe. And uh, it it was kind of like a miracle that the uh, 5,000 firefighters who've been working around the clock um, were able to keep it subdued. The fire burns things like more than 20,000 acres in a mere 24 hours. And on Monday, the firefighters were working all fronts when they had a respite from the weather and they were able to keep the fire at bay uh, to the edge of the neighborhoods in Christmas Valley, where it shot embers over Highway 89, starting spot fires in the forest just above the houses on the other side of the road, continuing its burn east. This is one of the few fires in the history of. Uh, Fires in California, which has burned across the uh, uh, Sierra Nevadas, has actually moved from California into Nevada. And so it's not out. It's only about 25% contained. So if you want the details, click on that link, the Caldor Fire, and the details are there. Moving planets. This week, there's a much more positive story coming out of NASA. NASA's Perseverance rover successfully cored its first rock, collected its first sample. I mean, they'd done a similar effort about a month ago, and when they looked in the drill hole, it had disappeared. And uh, this is not a Mars show tonight, so I won't speculate as to what happened, but there are some very interesting indications that during the drilling, because of the force exerted uh, by the rover on the surface, the actual rover shifted position and it was that shifting of position that caused the failure of collecting the first sample. Well, they've now successfully cored its first rock. They've got a sample and uh, we will hear more of that in the coming days and weeks to come. Item number four I'm going to hold for during the program because without context you're not you're not going to uh, kind of understand what we're getting at. So let's you know, introduce our guest. My first guest tonight is Daniel Pinchbeck. He's an American author currently living in New York City, with a passion for understanding consciousness, and he's the author of, among many other books, "Breaking Open the Head," a psychedelic journey into the heart of contemporary shamanism. Also, "A um, uh, Return of Quest to published in September of 2007. And he does so many other interesting things. In fact, uh, uh, tonight, I believe, if you click on the fast links and scroll down to uh, Daniel's items, his most recent work is called, I love this title, When Plants Dream, Ayahuasca, Amazonian Shamanism, and the Global Psychedelic Renaissance. Um, Our other guest tonight, who's actually... uh, pinch-hitting in this experimental position as co-host is Georgia Lambert. As I said at the top of the show, uh, Georgia has so many credits to her uh, Her uh, uh, coterie of arms. Among the one that's most important for us tonight, she spent 10 years on the teaching staff of the Philosophical Research Society under Manley Palmer Hall. And she, in '89 she became the first woman to address a Scottish Right research group on the higher degrees of masonry. And um, in 95, 96, and 97, she gave presentations to the Pacific Southwest regional conclaves of the Rosicrucian order. And there are many other credits. You can go and read both of them in detail on the uh, other side of midnight on the guest page. And so without further ado, Georgia, welcome to the hot seat. And Daniel, welcome to the other side.
1: Good to be here. Thank you, Richard. Good to be back.
0: Well, you know, this is one of those evenings where I'm going to try to be kind of quiet because this is an area of interest that I must say, uh, when Robin died two and a half years ago, can you believe tonight is literally the two and a half year anniversary? When Robin died, obviously, I became a lot more interested in the idea of life after three-dimensional existence. And uh, later in the morning, I'm gonna, you know, provide some some anecdotal information that may be helpful. But in the meantime, Daniel, how did you and when did you get interested in this very thorny and still very controversial subject of reincarnation?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess, Um, I mean, my first book, Breaking Open the Head, was on psychedelic shamanism. And uh, I was a journalist in New York and I'd grown up in a kind of secular, you know, scientific worldview uh, kind of environment. And um, I had a sort of existential or spiritual emergency in my late 20s, where um, I just realized that, you know, the sort of materialist philosophy, the idea that consciousness was entirely based in the brain and there couldn't be anything like a soul or a spirit was this sort of very dark cloud kind of hanging over, you know, my life and the world. And it's basically what everybody that I knew, you know, believed in and so on, what my teachers believed in and professed and so on. And I, I began to ask myself, you know, had I, is there, you know, did I really know this for a fact that, um, you know, consciousness was just based on the brain and that death would therefore be the obliteration or annihilation of any type of, you know, kind of top uh, possibility. Or was it something that I would really just received from, um, you know, authorities in a way, and, and from my environment? And I remembered my psychedelic experiences in college with mushrooms and LSD as uh, suggestive of there being other levels or layers of psychic reality. So that began the journey that led to breaking open the head. My first book, where I went to West Africa, I went to tribal initiation in Gabon with the Bwidi tribe, uh, and uh, even in that experience, uh, with, uh, you know, in Gabon, I had a, um, you know, one, one of the shamans said that he could see my mother's mother hovering over me and that her spirit was still with me and kind of clinging to me and so on. And that was already very extraordinary because I hadn't told anybody anything about my background. This was just in the, you know, the deep jungle in Gabon. And, uh, it was an inkling that, um, that first of all, there are these kind of transpersonal levels of reality and that, um, there are, you know, spirits, souls that, that linger in, in some way. But all of this was new information for me. So yeah, it's always you know, from my first book till now, kind of uh, you know, it's it's been a big quest for me. Like you know, are there other dimensions of consciousness of reality? Could the soul or the spirit exist in some form uh, after death? Uh, and 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 what? what could that existence be like? You know, is there some kind of afterlife realm? Is there a reincarnation of so many, you know, esoteric and indigenous cultures around the world uh, believe there is? Uh, so, yeah, so that's been a through line uh, ever since.
0: So this has been a decade-long quest.
1: Uh, no, it's been more than 20 years uh, that I've been, like, you know, back I and mean, sometimes veering away from it. But, I mean, you know, one of my... I mean, in, in the you know preface, you were talking about the ecological crisis, you know, climate change and global warming, and you know the the sort of uh, you know the reason we're in this ecological crisis in a way is because of um, kind of the scientific materialist worldview, uh, which leads to you know mass consumerism, overconsumption, everyone just trying to get what they can for this life because they think that this life is all there is. Uh, which leads to kind of over-extraction, over-exploitation of the environment. So actually, I don't really believe that we can, as a, as a species, kind of reckon with the crisis that we're in without addressing the sort of metaphysical roots of that crisis, which is the, uh, the limited you know, paradigm of scientific materialism.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, when you say limited, do you mean in terms of a database or in terms of modalities, you know, how scientists uh, well, ask the I mean, question. I-
1: well, I mean that actually, uh it's 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 um I think that there's, you know, lots of very 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 good evidence, you know, which I presented in, in my various books, uh, and many other, you know, thinkers and, and, and scientists have also now explored in great depth that um, you know, that isn't the whole story. That that that, you know, there are, you know, psychic phenomena, there's you know, consciousness can exist outside of the body and you know, astral travel, near death experience. Uh, and um you know there's very good data and evidence for uh, you know kind of reincarnation um you know mediumship you know communication with spirits of the dead uh who convey like you know extraordinary information um you know relevant only to those people and so on so there, there there's a huge there's a huge kind of backlog of of you know data that um goes against the scientific materialist hypothesis i mean the, the hypothesis that um you know the uh, that that you know the world was you know material material only uh was also just a hypothesis and um you know what i've been exploring in recent work in this essay that i did for a competition and what i wrote about in the 2012 book and other books is um that actually the, the more likely um you know kind of apparently you know, the 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 more the more likely hypothesis is that actually consciousness is the fundamental reality of what we experience as matter, physical reality. The physical universe is somehow a projection or an extension of this, this fundamental ground of consciousness.
0: Hmm. Tomorrow morning, actually at noon, your time, East Coast time, you're beginning a four-part seminar which has an extraordinarily intriguing title, Crossing the Threshold. And the graphic, which is uh, your item number one in radio pictures, is not too bad either. Um, How long have you been working on this and how can people uh, uh, join the seminar? I think you've got a, a virtual system set up where people can join from anywhere in the world. Talk about why you're doing it, why you're doing it now, and how people can find out how to be part of it.
1: Yeah and uh you know first of all I mean the the price for the four sessions the full price is $200 but for your listeners you know I can offer like a 50% off in, the, in, the, in this last moment Super. so if they use if, if they use the c- code crossing sale 50 uh you know the number 50 uh, crossing sale 50 uh when they go to the website which is the com, uh they they can they can get the course for $100 for half off so the and, 50 well,
0: as i met, so the 50 would stand for 50% if we needed a mnemonic 50%. remembrance yeah
1: exactly exactly so yeah so so i mean as i said this has been uh you know something that you know has really been kind of um yeah going back 25 years you know really you know i I've, I've been you know really trying to understand you know are there these possibilities of these other dimensional realities beyond the physical realm and um, you know, I've, I've kind of looked at that in, in two ways. I mean, there's a um, Sufi mystical philosopher, Firdawshuwan, uh, who talks about how the you know the, the ways to answer these deep questions. There's like two paths. There's, there's you know revelation, you know, which is direct experience, and kind of intellectualization and, and you know using the intellect, you know, reason and reflection. And uh, you know, for me, the, the work with psychedelics, uh, with ayahuasca you know dmt uh iboga um, psilocybin uh, and so on have been sort of the the revelation path and then looking at the whole history of thought around these topics um you know the the great work of people like carl Jung and, and, and Rudolf steiner and you know emid kaswami more more recently have provided kind of the the sort of intellectual basis for um yeah for 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 really having a different perspective on the the nature of reality.
0: Hmm. Georgia, the way this works is, given that your experience in this dwarfs mine, you jump in at any time if you want to (laughs) extend uh, a question that I've asked, if you want more clarification, or as you sure will, will have your own. So do you have anything at the top you want to ask Daniel?
3: Well, I'm very intrigued with... uh, Where studies on reincarnation are going now, you know, uh, back in the 1950s in esoteric thought, it was said in many quarters that um, this last age, the age of religion and philosophy, has produced one approach to reality, but in this new age that we're moving into, it'll be scientific proof of things, including Life After Death, Continuity of Consciousness. This sort of really started um, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. In fact, in 1911, there was a doctor in London, uh, a doctor, J. uh, Kilner, who wrote a book called The Human Atmosphere. It was later changed to to the title Human Aura. And he was really one of the first to focus on the scientific proof of these other layers of reality. He developed a a set of goggles, which was made from a discyanide dye, which is a purple sort of cobalt blue coal tar dye, which is toxic and hard to get a hold of. But he made glasses out of it. And he used those glasses to uh, give anybody with normal vision the ability to see the subtle body the aura really Uh, yeah yeah and his his book is is still in print you can find it very easily but he at being a doctor was interested in the medical side and was looking at for instance in cases of illness does it show up in the aura yes it does in pregnancy there's a double aura yes there is um you know this kind of thing but i don't think I've never been able to find any written stuff about him applying it to watching people at the moment of death. And this would be a very interesting thing to look at. You know, most of us old timers, I include myself there, you know, we remember stories of Bridie Murphy and of course we know about hypnotic regression and that kind of thing. But it would be really interesting to to know more about what's being done now from the scientific side. Uh, to kind of move this um, expansion of awareness forward?
1: Well, I'm hoping... Yeah, I don't know... Go ahead, go ahead. I don't know know anything about, uh, you know, this this guy that you just mentioned. So I don't know how to evaluate if he actually had a technology that was, you know, viable. It doesn't seem like it's something that's been carried forward. Um, Probably the most compelling evidence around uh, reincarnation has been compiled by uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson from the University of Virginia. Uh, he wrote a number of books. One is called Where Biology and Reincarnation Intersect. And uh, he and then, and then the people who followed after him have focused on uh, spontaneous past life recall in early childhood. Uh, they found uh, you know, children all over the world uh, between the ages of like three, four, and let's say eight, uh, who suddenly remember a lot about a, a previous life. Uh, and um, in, in in many cases he was able to visit these children, uh, and in some cases they were able to bring these children back to the place where they remembered being from before finding the uh, families that they remembered being part of, and uh, also finding that there were often uh, significant kind of uh, marks like birthmarks. Um, a lot a lot of these children who have very dramatic uh, past life recall in early childhood. It turns out that the, the the last life was a life that ended abruptly, maybe at a younger age, maybe through violence. So it's almost like their reincarnating soul had more of a push to get back into the game as quickly as possible. And uh, so often they'd find that if the, uh, the child might have like a significant birthmark on their neck, uh, they would find that the uh, person that they remembered being their reincarnation of had died from like a blow to the neck or something.
0: Oh, so no. uh,
1: he documented a, a, a great... Um, yeah in great depth of hundreds of cases actually uh in a number of books including where biology and reincarnation intersect
3: yeah i've heard uh, a lot about the the uh idea of birthmarks uh being uh, an echo of something that has gone on in the past and you know you're you're absolutely right daniel that there've been a lot of studies about uh children remembering past lives and even describing uh, their village or whatever. And it doesn't just happen in third world countries. Wasn't there recently a, a, a little boy that remembered being a pilot and drew uh, drawings of the plane that he went down in during world war two.
1: Yeah. I don't remember that exact case. I mean, I mean, you know, sort of like I'm much more like a synthesizer. So there's ton, I mean, there's uh, tons of cases in the West also in the United States Um uh, in native, you know, native indigenous communities, and so on, uh, and then yeah, there's many, many that happen in cultures that do have a kind of uh, knowledge of reincarnation. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's you know, there's you know, many books that are really chock full of uh, the, these examples from all over the world, including the United States. The one, and, um, the one guys, was,
0: the one guys that I'm most intrigued with, for obvious reasons, is the uh, Russian kid who seems to remember when he lived on mars and his detail his descriptions is 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 fascinating and i haven't had the time to kind of focus but to compare even some of the superficial things that have kind of leaked out through the russian press with what we figured out uh the, the, the the match is eerie 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 hey we're at the bottom of the hour my guests this morning are daniel pinchbeck who uh, opens a seminar, a virtual seminar, uh, tomorrow on the Internet. You can go to the other side at midnight, click on the uh, links to Daniel's items. That will take you to item number one. That is his page. It's for the seminar. Gives you the background, and he's giving you a 50% discount uh, if you uh, log on during or after the show up until, I guess, noon tomorrow, probably even past noon, and register uh, let him know that you're part of this, and give us that code again, Dan.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, uh, it is um, crossing sale five zero crossing sale fifty.
0: Super. Okay, you're on the other side of midnight. We shall return to my guest momentarily. Remember that song "Highwayman" with um, highway Christopherson man. and Johnny Cash oh, right. seemed appropriate. By my side, many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade. Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade. The bastards hung me in the spring of twenty-five, but I am still alive.
2: I was a sailor. I was born upon the tide With the sea
1: I did abide I sailed a schooner around the Horn to Mexico I went along to furl the mainsail in a blow
2: And when the yards broke off they said that I got killed But I'm living still I was a damn builder
1: across the river deep and
2: wide. It's funny because I think, you know, I went through my crazy phase where I made mistakes before the internet and before social media and before any of this whereas now you can't do that there's no such thing so you're saying about black and white and what it does is it stops people expressing themselves people are too frightened it's like you know I want to say something but what if I use the wrong term I remember a story a couple of years ago where Benedict Cumberbatch who at the time was a darling in the media's eyes was complaining about the disparity between the treatment of um black actors and of white actors and and he was sticking up and saying you know they're not getting paid as well they're not getting the jobs that they should be getting and they're being there is no equality but what he said was there isn't equality for colored actors well you've said colored there benedict you can't do that and so they went for him and he was vilified and he had to come out and do a big apology now what it was it was it was a slip of the tongue he's obviously not racist He's actively trying to say that there is discrimination and he's trying to stick up for that community. But he was vilified and attacked. And that's what happens now. And so when people make their mistakes now, they make their mistakes on the internet. They make their mistakes on social media where they're screenshotted forever. And so I think that's all part of the conditioning, that people are frightened you know, if you're in a position where I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say, in the end, you'll go, well, I won't say anything then. The fallout of this is going to be extraordinary with that because people don't realise, you know, when you, 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 you're you phoning up the police and grassing on your neighbours and when all this ends, they're still going to be your neighbours and you're still going to have to live next door to them. And good luck with that. Hello, everyone. My name's Gareth Ike. It's been a pleasure to talk on the other side of the news. Fantastic conversation with Kinthea, Timothy and Anetta, And I wish you all the best with a fantastic podcast.
1: or boulder on the wild Colorado I slipped and fell into the wet concrete below They buried me in that gray tomb that knows no sound But
2: I'm still around I'll always be around around across the universe divide and when I reach the other side I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can perhaps I may become a highway man again, or I may simply be a single drop of rain but I will remain back in again, and, again, and, again, and again and again and again and again
0: you know for as long as i can remember that song has stuck in my memory four major major country western stars each with their own slant the idea of continuity, the idea that we do return. Um, Daniel, in 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 your research, um, is the connection of consciousness beyond three dimensions? You know, what happens after we die? The afterlife, you know, wherever we go. And the idea of reincarnating back in three-dimensional reality, are those two inseparably connected or do only some people return
1: uh, well I mean I mean you know so I don't pretend to, to to you know to to have some kind of absolute knowledge or whatever i mean I think um you know it's a journey to try to understand these things but i mean I think um we have to very very take very seriously uh you know the 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 evidence and data from some cultures that um are more advanced than ours in terms of having a kind of a science of reincarnation, Uh, particularly, uh, you know, Buddhist cultures, particularly Tibetan Buddhist cultures. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, Buddhism has this whole idea that, um, you know, there's a, I don't know if you know the Tibetan book of the dead, whether these different Bardo realms. Uh, So essentially, um, you know, you, you reincarnate in one of these different realms, either, either as a, uh, you know, animal uh, hungry ghost, uh, human, uh, you know, uh, demigod, uh, god, or in kind of like a hell realm as a, as a demon, and um, you know, kind of what you know, how you how you've used your your you know life as a human, kind of determines you know what your incarnational pathway would be. Uh, but but as a human, you also have a precious opportunity, uh, according to Tibetan Buddhism, which is to attain you know realization or moksha. Or enlightenment and um kind of escape from the, the wheel of karma and reincarnation altogether and um you know i think that we can begin to understand that uh through kind of like you know kind of a scientific uh, model uh and uh, you know the, the my favorite you know kind of effort to put together that model so far is by this physicist amika swami who wrote a book called physics of the soul uh and uh um, yeah, so I mean, um, you know, there, you know, this idea that essentially um, you know, that, you know, the, the, the physical universe is a projection of a uh, indivisible uh, unitary uh, field of consciousness. Uh but that indivisible unitary field of consciousness can only know itself, can only understand itself by uh, you know, c- going through this evolutionary process and creating uh containers, you know, kind of separate, you know, the the illusion of separate identity, the illusion of separate beings. So hence hence the existence of human beings who are able to reflect and seek revelation and use their, you know, intellectual capacities to understand the nature of, of divinity and the nature of, of reality in itself. Uh and um, you know, and also have that capacity to you know kind of, you know, through meditation and other esoteric practices kind of really go back to a non-dual state of realization, uh, at, at which point, if if, if they've mastered that, um, you know, at the point of death, they have the opportunity to no longer uh, reincarnate and sort of just enter into the nirvana or, or, or the voidness or the totality or the, the undifferentiated, indivisible consciousness state. Uh, however, in Buddhism, they also have this idea of the Bodhisattva vow, and so the idea is that, uh, you know, many beings who could choose enlightenment actually instead choose to return uh, to the human realm to, uh, you know, out of empathy and compassion for suffering beings and, um, and kind of, you know, help evolve consciousness, uh, lift, lift consciousness up, you know, towards, you know, a future state where the, the entire universe uh, of suffering matter is redeemed through, uh, you know, realization and revelation.
0: Hmm. The universe of suffering matter. That sounds uh, kind of Catholic.
1: <laughs> well, that's the Buddhist view. I mean, I mean, the first noble truth, according to the Buddha, was uh, you know life is suffering, uh, existence is suffering. Uh, you know, but one thing I've actually argued in in, in my work, particularly in the twenty twelve book, is that that view is not um, you know the, the the Western approach is a little bit different, uh, in that actually we tend to see life as not just suffering. We we tend to be more interested. In kind of the the evolutionary potential and the evolutionary processes, uh, and um, yeah, it's a slightly different kind of maybe dharma even that we have in the West compared to compared to some of the Eastern ideas. So that 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 sort of brought us to yeah sort of the dynamism of uh, you know post industrial civilization, transhumanism, technology, kind of this this thirst to know and this belief in uh, evolutionary progress, which has both its uh, you know, negative and positive sides. I mean, there's a number of thinkers who think that it's completely negative. There's the traditionalist occult thinkers like uh, you know Julius Evola and Reni guenon who've been kind of picked up by the right wing, but they uh, believe that we're just in the kali yuga. That the entire you know Western kind of emphasis on evolution and development is is a fraud. And that actually, um, you know, the only hope for the civilization is to be destroyed and, and reconstituted. Mm. Um, and but but then you have people like Rudolf Steiner, who more saw that this, um, you know, the, the 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 impetus in the Western uh, consciousness towards understanding the nature of matter, transforming matter, transforming the earth. You know that that's actually part of our 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 dharma and our spiritual purpose also. Uh, and uh, Steiner for me is uh, one of the most fascinating uh, thinkers, uh, you know, modern occult uh, philosophers and so on. And he, he was, um, you know, I think he was born in the 1860s, uh, and um, he um, had sort of clairvoyance, uh, visionary capacity from a very early age. Uh, he could see into all these other worlds. He could read the Akashic records and so on. But he realized that other people around him didn't possess these gifts. So he actually waited uh, until he was like 40 years old and had completed a doctorate in philosophy uh, before he started to talk about his uh, inner investigations, inner explorations. And eventually Steiner uh, 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 claimed that actually the the purpose of his incarnation on the Earth was to bring the knowledge of reincarnation itself back to the West – that knowledge had been lost, uh, with the Judeo-Christian monotheisms and, um, you know, that we had to sort of, um, re-access that understanding. In fact, he wrote a whole series of books called Karmic Relationships, where he traced different Western individualities back to their series of past lives to kind of show how they gleaned certain, uh, abilities, capacities that kind of led to their genius that led to their, kind of, uh, you know, creative breakthroughs and so on. They're so kind of similar to what Tibetan Tibetans understand when they have, you know, these lamas, like the Dalai Lama is known to be, you know, a reincarnation of uh, the past Dalai Lama uh, and he was the reincarnation of the past Dalai Lama and so on. They've actually they have tests, uh, ways of kind of seeing if the child who could be the new Dalai Lama you know, recognizes the um, kind of uh, the tools that were used by the previous Dalai Lama, you know, ha- has some Kind of resonance, uh, you know, so yeah, so so uh, Steiner believed that this process of reincarnation, which is recognized in the East, has also been happening in the West, and we just happened to lose the uh, knowledge of it back, uh, way back when, um, and so his his role was to kind of try to reinstate it.
0: So let me see if I get this straight. You're saying that Steiner took the biographies of historical figures and tried to trace a a link, a pathway between successive reincarnations of people—a fraction of the seven and a half billion people that are currently on Earth—and you know the billions more that have been here before us. He was able to actually, in a in a Western scientific uh, modality, trace the links between historical figures as if they were the same consciousness reincarnating again and again. And again,
1: um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, some of the terminology isn't what I would say, but like, I mean, they, they, like, you know, you like, care. like,
0: who? Okay, who?
1: Well, it's been a, It's, I mean, I, I have, you know, it's been a lot since so I've read through those books. But you take somebody like Karl Marx or Engels or you know Beethoven or whatever, and he'd be able to show, you know, Goethe, you know, who who that person was, in, you know, the Middle Ages or the Roman period or so on and, and, and you know what, what what, happened to them, why why they develop certain uh soul capacities. I mean that's you know, what one of the arguments for um reincarnation that's um sometimes used is like, you know, genius prodigies like somebody like Mozart, you know, his uh you know ability to compose symphonies at like five years old or something. You know, it, it almost seems beyond uh, the capacity for an individual human uh, to to have that level of you know that monumental genius, unless they were all able, they were accessing gifts um, you know that you know they developed in uh, you know previous previous cycles of existence. Hmm.
3: You know, Daniel said something really important in that last uh, concept. In in uh, some works by Eastern teachers, that same principle applies not just to individuals but to groups of humanity. It's been said esoterically that the British Empire is uh, an extension of the Roman Empire. It's really reincarnated Rome Um, in these same... Uh, sources, they talk about uh, the United States being reincarnated Egypt, interestingly enough.
0: Oh, that's intriguing. Um,
3: Yeah, yeah, especially when you think of all the Egyptian stuff along the Mississippi (laughs) River and, you know, that kind of thing. The the other thing is, uh, he made a really important point that shouldn't be gone over too quickly, and that is that the approach to reincarnation, East and West, has lots of different sides to it. Um, There are differences here and there, and differences of approach, differences in detail. Um, But the West does have a tradition of this. In the Druidic and Celtic uh, tradition, reincarnation was such an important part of their culture that you could borrow goods or money from somebody and agree to pay it back in the next incarnation. And that was... (gasps) Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) Wow.
3: So, so this idea of of um, of incarnating into what the Hindus call the three lower worlds—the world of mind, the world of the emotions, or the astral level, the world of physicality—that we begin this big cycle in innocence, and we descend downward, deeper, deeper into matter, taking that matter unto ourselves, and then as we Hit the bottom of the loop and begin our climb home on the evolutionary scale, uh, we take not only that experience and mastery of matter which we've learned but we take the quality of that matter with us, and so humanity becomes in a sense the agent of planetary transmutation, and the cycle that begins in pure, in innocence uh, finishes in purity, and as Daniel was saying. Um, we're freed from the wheel of rebirth and go on to other uh, levels of existence or, according to the vow of the Bodhisattva, we choose to remain behind until all of humanity is accounted for.
0: That's a lot of people. (laughs) I think Arthur did a calculation one time, Arthur Clark, that something like 30 billion people throughout, you know, the beginning of humanity as far as, Anthropologists have charted it back several million years. Have preceded us on this planet. That sounds like a large number, but frankly, it's not very large. You, know, well, you up, know, go ahead. You you know the the
3: one of the questions that always comes up is, well, we've got more people alive on the earth than ever before. Where did all those new souls come from? Mm-hmm. And the answer to, and the answer to that is that in the metaphysical view, that. Humanity as a field of consciousness, as a one life, is both a one and a many. That at our very core, we have this spark of divinity, this peace of God that makes us part of that that greater life. And um, uh, as we progress in the... Three lower worlds, we gain experience in matter. But in normal times, um, you don't have as many all jammed into physical dents. The reason why there's more people now on the planet is that, as we've talked about, Richard, that you have this confluence of many different cycles dovetailing into one another. And this is the hot ticket in town. Uh, it's said that between incarnations you can absorb, you can synthesize, but any real headway must be made while in physical incarnation possessed of a brain. It has to do with this soul-mind-brain connection. And so there's a lot of folks taking advantage of what this cycle has to offer in terms of being in physicality.
0: Hmm. Daniel, I want to go back to Steiner because this is- – Sounds to me like a almost dauntless, unfulfillable task. What were his criteria for trying to link historical figures? And if there's a, a musical genius who's a prodigy at five and he's playing pianos and sonatas and all that that no kid of five should be able to do, unless he had a precedence of an archive of a you know knowledge of how to do this from a previous incarnation. Do do people change professions? Do they change interests? Do they change loves and obsessions? And if they do that, how could Steiner possibly connect similarities across, uh, you know, uh, at least written history? It seems almost impossible.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, you know, Steiner's, you know, kind of argued. argue. I mean, by the way, it's like I don't take anything. Uh, you know, what I'm saying or that, or that, um, what's, what's uh, the woman's name, Georgia yes. saying as like, you know, written in, st- I mean, it's like, for me, it's everything is, you know, we're, we're, we're on an investigation. We're on an exploration. It's not like I'm saying this is the actual truth. You know, the, this, these are the, you know, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I play with different hypotheses. I mean, um, you know, what I find very interesting, you know, to step back for a second is that, um, you know un- under scientific materialism which we've had for the last few centuries as the dominant paradigm you know obviously reincarnation you know psychic paranormal phenomena and so on we're totally disallowed and and it's almost like a religion of materialism that you find in people like Richard Dawkins and David Dennett like you know and and the kind of you know the, there's still you know many people who kind of like will totally you know attack in any form of paranormal uh, activity or or you know sphere or whatever um, but, uh, what, uh, figures like the Swami, um, another interesting one is, uh, Robert Lanza, who wrote biocentrism are pointing out is that, that, you know, if we look at everything that we've learned about the nature of reality from quantum physics over the last century, um, it actually opens, uh, potentialities for there being things like uh, reincarnation and subtle bodies and so on. Um, so for instance, Goswami puts out this idea that, um, you know, our, our, our when we're living, you know, we're creating kind of aggregates of like thought, uh, you know, feeling, uh, and so on, intention, and so on, and you know, these may remain connected as quantum phenomena because we now know that uh, quantum phenomena spreads infinitely it's in probability waves, yet remains connected. You know, so so you know, there's uh, action at a distance. There's you know, if you if you you know if you if you influence one electron. And it's connected to another electron. That other electron, even if it's like halfway across the galaxy, will also, you know, shift its position or its trajectory and so on. So it, it could be possible that, you know, through through life we're creating these kind of quantum aggregates. And, um, you know, when we haven't fulfilled our goals or our missions or whatever, uh, those aggregates seek then to, you know, find another physical form to uh, continue their, their, their kind of uh, impetus and so on. So I, I find that very interesting. And, and um, yeah, we can also talk about the subtle bodies and so on. But anyway, so, you know, the, the short answer to your question about Steiner is that, um, you know, according to him, he was able to go into a visionary state and read what are called the Akashic Records, which are the spiritual imprint of uh, humanity. And, uh, you know, he was a great initiate of, of our age and had this ability that, that very few people have. Uh, you know, what's interesting for me is that I've done a lot of work with um, you know, psychedelics, particularly uh, ayahuasca, which contains bimethyltryptamine. Uh, DMT is a uh, chemical component uh, in our brains that's also found in many plants. There's actually two forms of DMT, 5 meo dmt and N-DMT. Uh, and um, both of them, when you uh, extract and smoke them, complete, create complete. Uh, out of body experiences, where you enter into these sort of hyper-dimensional realities, uh, where sometimes you have this experience of encountering you know what Terence McKenna talks about is like a vast ecology of souls or beings and so on. Uh, and uh, through ayahuasca, you could actually have um, yeah, kind of experiences of connecting with something like the akashic record that Steiner talks about, where you see you know kind of events from the historical past or the spiritual past or Enter into other states of consciousness of of plants or animals and so on, and so anyway. So Steiner basically argues that he was a somebody who had this ability from a very young age, and there was then therefore was able to spend years honing it and mastering it. And one thing he could then do was follow the souls of different human beings back from their past incarnations. Um, and so what he was what he you know claims that he was presenting. The series of book Karmic Relationships is just the um, result of his uh, investigation, uh, which he talked about as a spiritual science.
0: So
3: Stein- Edgar Edgar Casey did oh. Edgar Casey did something similar with some of she his did. readings in tracing past incarnations. So via Dan, the Akashic exactly. records. Yeah. So Dan, let me exactly. get this
0: straight. Um, we we're we were kind of I'm distantly obviously familiar with the Akashic Record. If we think of it as a giant address book – I know that's probably profane – did Steiner use his direct access through his own consciousness to this record as a kind of a guide and a set of clues to historical figures? In other words, is it, really, is it written down somewhere so he had a kind of a heads-up of who to follow, who to try to investigate, who to connect
1: well, I mean, you know, I mean, some, some people, and I think, you know, even Casey actually talked about how it, it was like a, it's like a library or, or as you said, a hall of records in the, uh, in the Akasha, in the, in the, in the spiritual realm. Um, and um, yeah, you could actually request, uh, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, book in the library, and then you would, you know, be able to look back and see who, you know, the, who they were in the past and, you know, even in the future. I mean, you know, and then, and then once again, we we go to the discoveries of quantum physics. You know, one thing that um, kind of became apparent is that um, you know we we are locked into this you know third dimensional realm or fourth dimensional realm. We we kind of you know are moving through time and space uh, in this very limited way. Uh, but the the discoveries of quantum physics reveal that actually you know everything that we're experiencing in a way has has already happened, there's already a you know, f- fifth dimensional space-time continuum, uh, where what, what what you know what everything that we experience—past, present, future—have essentially already you know happened in a sense, or, or or are happening simultaneously. I mean, it's paradoxical the language in a way. So, yeah, this idea that there could be um, you know a uh, you know karmic record of, of of a soul you know passing through the trajectory of time that's preserved in this higher dimensional state. Uh, you know, it's something that 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 you know, as I said, the quantum physics now kind of allows for. Mm.
3: It, it's very important that that this this point that Daniel just made not be gone over too quickly. Um, you know, there's just as much crystallized thought in the esoteric tradition as anything else, and. A lot of what's out in the marketplace approaches reincarnation in a linear way. You know, you start out someplace in the distant past as unevolved animal slime, and you wind up as the Christ.
2: <laughs> but we know,
3: we know that that um, that time is only relegated to this dense physical. And things move differently in out-of-body experience or in near-death experience or in dreams. And so from the, the, the window that the new physics is opening for us is something that some of the Chinese said a long time ago, which is all of our incarnations are going on simultaneously. Now, your brain goes on tilt trying to figure that out. Because that means you've got to rethink how karma works. It doesn't work linearly. And so this is a whole new area of exploration in terms of the metaphysical horizon.
0: You mentioned a magic word, and we're coming up to the top of the hour. So I'm going to hold all kinds of questions I have for both you guys until we get to the top of the hour. Uh, My my guests this morning are um, uh, Georgia Lambert and Daniel Pinchbeck. Uh, Georgia's kind of sitting in to an experiment that I'm running here. She's kind of a co-host this morning. And we're talking about consciousness, but consciousness beyond three dimensions. And I think we need to separate the two, and that's where some of my uh, personal encounters with uh, uh, folks that are no longer here in the physical may come to the fore later in the program but is it automatic that just because consciousness is eternal that reincarnation in three dimensions is mandated or voluntary or selective or optional or or what we have more questions in a little while you're on the other side of midnight My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording. Have the commercials removed? and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I wanna thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.